Hello, welcome to Buzz and Biz, the success podcast. I'm your host, Steve Markey. This episode, we have Sam, a serial entrepreneur, and I will turn it over to Sam to give us an intro and background. Sam, thanks for joining. Please go ahead. Thanks for having me. Um, so I guess uh, oh, the short, my short background, um, I am um, Philadelphia native, you know, kind of born and raised and um, started my first business uh, about, I guess it was about six years after I graduated from Penn. Uh, and it was a payments technology company uh, called Greenfire, which um, at the time uh, was a company that we were trying to um, uh, to build, to do more than just move money from point A to point B. So we, we thought that it would be useful to build a software. Uh, and we, we picked a, the clinical research industry to build that software. Um, you know, fast forward about 15 years, and now I think the world calls uh, a company like Greenfire, uh, vertically in integrated payments uh, company. Um, so we, we built Greenfire, um, me and my, my two co-founders, uh, JP and Jennifer, and then, uh, and then exited that, uh, kind of moved on, did a couple of things here and there. And then uh, last, what was it, about a year ago, last August, uh, started another company um, uh, called Groovy Car, uh, totally outside of the clinical research space, um, but with the uh, intention of uh, kind of disrupting the um, wholesale uh, auto supply chain. Um, by a kind of, you know, if we're really successful, we'll eliminate the need for auto auctions and just, you know, create a linkage between individual car owners like you and me and um, the used car dealers that that want to ultimately retail our cars um, and, and cut out the, 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 the steps and, and inefficiency in between. Congrats. Thanks. And as a follow-up to that, with Groovy Car, and with Greenfire, can you give us your experience with fundraising and or engaging with investors and or equity and debt financing as well? Yeah, so, um, you know, I think Greenfire was interesting because, you know, we, we took it from idea to exit. So there's there's kind of a full, a fully, um, you know, baked financing story uh, in, in, that, in, that, um, in that journey. Um, the way that we, the way that we financed Greenfire, um, was, um, I'd say it's probably pretty common, um, although it was difficult. So we started the business in 2000, kind of the very beginning of 2008, um, kind of end of 2007, depending on, you know, how, how you define started. And, um, uh, and, and me and JP and Jennifer funded it ourselves for the first year. Um, with uh, with a little bit of cash that we had um, and uh, and credit cards essentially, uh, so zero uh, percent balance transfers uh, from uh, a number of credit cards. We used JP's credit because mine was terrible at the time, um, and uh, you know I figured you know JP's credit score was a you know something I was willing to destroy and if if the the business failed and and he didn't seem to mind so we were young. Um, Fortunately, it worked out. And then, um, you know, we, we kind of ran out of, we were running out of money towards the end of 2008. And so we started to um, try and raise a angel round, um, which, you know, we were, we were just trying to get together a couple hundred thousand dollars um, in order to, um, 
in order to essentially fund the next year um, and, and just live to fight another day. Um, and so we, we started to talk to, um, you know, we'd never done this before. I, I you know, I kind of had a sense for, for how to raise money um, from the little bit of experience that I had in investment banking and um, in private equity, but I'd never done it before. And I started talking to VCs and, um, you know, I think the first meeting that I had was with, um, was with Chris Fralick at first round. Um, and I did a terrible job. And, you know, I think that Greenfire's business was a difficult one to pitch anyway, because it was um, so niche and it was so, you know, kind of difficult for most investors to, to really understand. And then if you layer on top of that, I was new to, to essentially pitching and, and kind of, you know, haven't, hadn't refined my, my, my presentation essentially. And so, but Chris, um, you know, even though he kind of like, you know, crushed my, my hopes and dreams in that short meeting, you know, gave me some, um, some, some good feedback that I, they used. And I kept on, you know, doing that and iterating it. And, you know, I think right around that time was also around the time that, that kind of the, the mortgage crisis happened. Um, and, you know, the types of people that typically fund angel rounds, um, uh, especially individuals, um, had, you know, just lost a ton of wealth, essentially, uh, as a result of um, the, the drop in the value of the stock market. And so, you know, it was a difficult time. Um, we ended up, you know, probably by luck, um, less, less so by skill, you know, finding a couple of people um, to fund our first angel round. Um, you know, two guys from the clinical research space who, who had been successful entrepreneurs, um, and then a, a Philadelphia uh, area private equity investor who just who did it personally. It wasn't through through the the fund that he runs. Um, and so we we put together three hundred thousand bucks. And so that was like you know that that was like a lot of detail for for kind of a small amount of uh, money. It was it was probably the hardest money that we we ever we ever would raise at Greenfire, and probably the hardest money that I will ever raise in my lifetime. Um, and so we, you know, we took that money and we didn't have much of it. Um, and we, we took it and, and really focused in on um, uh, sales. So building out the commercialization of, um, of, our, of our business um, and finishing at that time, we hadn't quite finished our product yet, um, but we were really close to getting a first customer. And so we did finish our product, um, which at the time was very much a, a an MVP, a minimally viable product, although we didn't use words like that back in 2008 or 2009. Um, at least we didn't use them. I don't know if some, maybe somebody did, but that, I don't think that was like a thing back then. Um, but we just figured, hey, we need to get, we need to make money. We need to be able to sell this so that, you know, we can prove it out and we can also fund the business. Um, so we would, we, we build it, we, you know, we, we sold it. Uh, we'd come back, iterate, make the product better, sell it again, and, and just repeat that cycle on and on. Um, the following year, we did another angel round for 400. I call it an angel round because it was mostly individuals for 400 grand. 200 of it, I think, came from uh, individuals, and the other 200 came from Ben Franklin Technology Partners. I think it was 200 of Philadelphia. Um, after that, it was about a year and a half after that second angel round we did um, – uh, what we'll call it like our series a, which was a $1.5 million round that was led by first mark capital. So this was like our first, you know, institutional 
investor venture capital firm from New York and, and they were awesome um, partner for us. Um, we, we never really raised a ton of money at Greenfire. Um, I mean, a ton relative to, you know, kind of what you hear of with, you know, maybe with some really big, you know, kind of mega scalable, fast growth businesses. Um, but even if you like kind of regionally pick apart some of the the companies that are, are successful um, at any given time, you know, like, uh, it's not uncommon to see 10, 20, $30 million uh, growth rounds uh, for for businesses, and you know we really only raised 2.2 million of growth capital um, in our in our you know during our journey with with Greenfire, um, and Greenfire as a business never really raised any more than that either. Um, it, all the growth from from there on out was was really a function of um, revenue and and essentially profit, you know, kind of funding the rest of the the growth of that business, um, and so. Um, you know, so so that was basically it for like our, our traditional growth capital. We we end up growing the business uh, quite a, quite quite well, and um, and then we had an exit. Uh, the founders had an exit to Riverside in 2014. We stayed with that business. You know, uh, JP left pretty quickly, and then Jennifer and I left about a year later. Um, and then Jennifer still sits on the board of that business, and um, and 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 it's it's done really well. Um, I was pretty burnt out. I think that that was probably one of the uh, JP and I in particular were, were pretty burnt out uh, when we, when we sold the business. And I think that was actually probably one of the, the primary reasons why we, we ended up exiting when we did. Um, and I think that was also maybe a, a downside of, of raising the, the, you know, relatively small amount of money that we had to, um, you know, we were, um, we were wearing a lot of hats and there was a lot of, a lot of stress. I think that that was part of, part of the, the reason. I think the other part of the reason of the, you know, of our like, you know, probably lack of longevity there was just simply inexperience. Uh, so we, you know, we were, we were probably, we made some mistakes along the way that we didn't realize we were making, you know, you in the, in the moment you think you're making the best decisions you can now, now with some distance, you, you know, you could go, if you could go back in time, uh, you might do some things differently. Um, but uh, but so so JP left Jennifer and I left about a year later and and then we we get to watch the business grow from there, um, you know to compare the that financing story to uh, Groovy Car um, so the Groovy Car was not my idea uh, whereas Greenfire was um, you know Gro Groovy Car was the idea of my um, my one one of my partners one of the co-founder of the business Alex. Um, Selden, who who is a who is a who owns a used car dealership uh, in Willow Grove, um, and uh, many years ago he he came up with um, an idea to to make auto auctions virtual, which it seems like a pretty obvious thing to do, um, in, in this day and age, um, you know the idea of physical auto auctions seems like kind of a, a crazy reality, um, and so but Alex didn't didn't do anything with it. Um, you know, he, he had the idea, but he didn't go and execute. Um, but another company, I think from Buffalo, New York, or someplace in New York called ACV Auctions, um, or maybe it's just ACV, they did execute on it, and, and they've, they've been wildly successful. Um, I think right around that same time, or maybe shortly after ACV, another company called Backlot Cars started up, and Backlot just, I think, just sold uh, this past week, um, maybe six years after they uh, they started for about 425 million bucks. So it was like, I mean, it's like a really terrific um, exit for them, I, I would imagine, and, and just a really fast, um, you know, kind of 
value creation um, for for black backlot and ACB is like a multiple of of value higher than that. So so in any event, um, Alex I think felt like a little bit you know you know kind of salty that that you know he had this idea and I think we've all maybe you know kind of experienced this before. Um, but he didn't do anything. And then, you know, he had an, essentially an iteration of, um, you know, the, you know, virtualization of auto auctions um, where, where he essentially, you know, came up with the idea of, well, why don't, why do we need an auction at all? You know, why can't we just connect the, the seller of a car to a, the end buyer, which is typically a used car business of some sort. Um, and so he and I both have a mutual uh, friend, a guy named David Ruder who's a partner at LLR. Um, and David was an investor in Greenfire and a mentor of mine. So David kind of brought us together and, 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 um, and I couldn't really figure out a reason why um, this business wasn't going to work. Um, and I tried, cause I didn't, you know, I think that it, it's important to try and figure out, you know, so that nobody's spinning their wheels or wasting their time. Um, so we, we all agreed to, to, to go forward with it. Now I'll tell you, like you know, when Greenfire, when we started Greenfire, we you know we probably seeded it with, uh, man, I don't know, maybe twenty or thirty thousand um, dollars, and then you know the, the other seventy grand that probably funded our first year was from credit cards. Um, but if you fast forward about, geez, I guess it was about thirteen years, um, you know, we we had a lot more options in terms of fund funding the the business. So Groovy Car, I funded Groovy Car. Me and David and Alex funded it uh, on our own, um, and it was I think we funded it. Oh, and and Sean, who was our first uh, employee, who's a who was a developer that I worked with early on at Greenfire, like ground zero development, um, and uh, he put in he put in a, a, some of his own money too. So the four of us uh, put together about five hundred and ten grand, um, and we funded the first year. Of, of Groovy Car, uh, which was, you know, I mean, the amount of effort it took for us to put that together was really um, minimal. I mean, it was, it was awesome. I mean, it was a, you know, total night and day uh, in terms of, you know, uh, fundraising experience. Um, that lasted us a full year, which was exactly what we, we expected. Um, and we managed to design, uh, build, and launch an MVP and get through a beta, uh, which was very well, like, uh, I mean, I'm like, patting my back my own back right now the beta was really well designed and I, like if i compare this to you know how we launched greenfire i mean we were greenfire was really like running as fast as we could through the woods with a blindfold on you know and you know and periodically we'd slam into a tree and we'd get up and and you know kind of turn in a different direction and run as fast as we could you know and i think that this you know i think now you know, we're, I'm older, have some experience, and hopefully I'm a little bit smarter. Um, but we, you know, I think with Groovy Car, you know, we designed a beta to establish a proof of concept. Um, and this was uh, a little bit of a build off of the feedback I got from Chris Freilich in that first um, pitch that I that I failed miserably with, uh, with Greenfire. Um, but we we hit all the metrics with, uh, with the beta um, and actually ended up beating them, which really wasn't a function of us. Uh, it was more of a function of probably, um, you know, the, the market um, acceptance of the, the product. And so the, the way that we designed it was, hey, we wanna be able to get three cars um, sold every day on average for two months. And we wanna be able to get 10, you know, paying dealers to buy each of those three cars 
uh, every single day uh, for, for two months. And I think going into it, I was wondering if maybe I was being a little bit um, overly ambitious. Uh, and we ended up at the end of the, the beta um, having about eight cars per day. So a little over double what we expected at a lower um, customer acquisition cost than we were targeting. Um, and we ended up having uh, 12 dealers on the, on the system versus 10. So it was, I mean, it was awesome. Um, but it also made you feel good that uh, you weren't, you know, kidding yourself that, you know, I think that one of the, one of the things that entrepreneurs oftentimes do is, you know, convince themselves that something is, is good or, or works and, and maybe, you know, maybe it takes them a while to, to come to terms with the fact that maybe there isn't a good product market fit or some, something, there's a, some other core issue with what they're trying to build. Um, so we took that beta and then we raised, uh, it's not quite finished yet, but it'll be somewhere between 1.2 and 1.5 million bucks, um, which I'm calling an angel round because there's no institutional uh, money there. Um, and that is uh, funded mostly by me, uh, not mostly, but it's funded by me, David and Alex. And then we brought in another investor who is also um, an early investor in Greenfire. Um, so, I mean, like from a, for like a second time around, you can see, you know, I think that if you have a success, you know, you know, with the first one, you know, it's, it's not, it doesn't seem like it's very difficult and it, it makes sense um, that you can, you can kind of leverage the, the, the good that you've done for, for previous investors to, to bring them along on the, on the next, especially if there's a, you know, a pretty clear value proposition for the, for the next, the company, which I think is one of the benefits that I've got going for us with Groovy Car is that it is a much easier um, business to explain uh, than Greenfire was um, because we all, you know, we all own cars. And I think everybody, whether you're into cars or not, you kind of have an understanding of what happens when you trade your car in. And, and you know, so it's, it's not, it's not too tough to, to explain. And I think, you know, similarly, you know, we, we've got this uh, new growth capital. Uh, we will set new uh, growth metrics uh, in terms of, you know, dealers, customers acquired. And, um, and then of course uh, for our, for our marketplace uh, cars being sold. And if we hit those, I think we'll probably also launch a couple new metro areas besides Philadelphia. Um, but if we hit those, then we will um, raise another round, I guess, uh, probably next next year. And you know, I, I imagine that this business will end up likely raising a significantly greater amount of money than than we raised with Greenfire. Um, and so I think that when we get into raising you know, a 10 million or a 20 million or, or more round of growth capital, I'll be, I'll be probably um, figuring it out as I go a little bit, um, maybe with the, with the help of some, some smart advisors who've done it before, but um, that'll be for maybe for the next uh, meeting that we have. I'll, I'll tell you all about it. Cool. <laughs> if it, if cool. we get that far. <laughs> well, Hey, congrats and good luck. And Thanks. as you mentioned, Sam, Keep me honest here, one of my favorite phrases, it sounds like you're based around Philly, the current focused market. You are in the Philly burbs, I believe, keep me honest. Yep. And so you're probably looking to grow out from there organically. Any thoughts of international versus domestic or is that further down the road and let's consume the whale one so, by a time type mentality? Yeah, no, I, I mean, um, you know, I think Groovy Car will likely 
you know, I think during during my lifetime with Groovy Car, the, and that, so I'm thinking about that in terms of like next like five to ten years. So I think ten year chunks is probably as far out as I can possibly think. Uh, I don't imagine that we'll go beyond the like the U U.S. continental United States. Um, but I think that at some point, you know, if if we're successful in, you know, I think that my goal for the business is to to get into probably between 15 and 25 metro areas before we exit the business. And this is like, you know, if all goes well and, you know, we don't, we don't get crushed along the way by something I don't, I'm not, I don't see coming. Um, but I think that at some point as we're, as we're going to getting to that, that end, end point, there is opportunity for the business to expand into Canada, into Western Europe and, and I'm not all that smart about how the so the cart like the auto supply chain you know runs in in you know in uh, Europe or or in specific countries, but a couple of, of friends of mine who uh, are in Germany and in in Brussels in the UK have all mentioned that this would be uh, applicable. So you know that's like take it for what it is. I mean you know who who what do they know? We don't know, but. Um, <laughs> But I think that there is, I mean, especially in Canada, and I think that there's probably a growth opportunity beyond the U.S. But the U.S. is massive, right? Like, you know, I think that our our uh, research indicates that there's about 45,000 used car dealerships, and about 30,000 of them in the U.S. are um, independent used car lots, with like what you would, you know, kind of a, a small use small businesses essentially, um, as opposed to, you know, the used car departments of like a franchise car dealership so i mean there's just so many used car dealerships to 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 kind of help and, and try and get on our platform that i, I imagine will keep us busy for for quite a few years cool thanks and if we could i, I would like to backpedal a bit and talk sure. about the the seed funding and finding angels in that process i've heard before and i've gone down that route too uh it usually takes three to six months it, can you give us a timeline, a rough timeline for your green fire experience? Yeah, I think three to six months is a, is a good estimate um, uh, based on what I've seen others do and, and on our own experience too. Um, as, you know, in green fire, you know, we probably started, you know, in earnest looking for funding in say October of 2008. Um, and we closed that round in February of 2009, um, probably towards the end of February of 2009. So that's what October, five months, five five to six months, which which seems to make sense. You know, with Groovy Car, it wasn't anywhere near that much time. You know, I think that the, I mean the, the the first money that we that we got together for the business took probably two and a half months. Uh, which was largely, um, you know, kind of getting together like the formation documents um, as opposed to to kind of getting commitments. Um, and then the 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 second, you know, kind of round of money that we put into the business took like literally weeks to to finish. Um, so to give you a sense of, of just the, the difference. But I think six months is a really good estimate. I know there's, um, uh, I just talked to a, a, a a woman who's raising a, a first round. Um, I don't know if you you're familiar with Amber Warner. I think that's how you pronounce her last name. Wayner. Yes. Wainer. Yes. With Vet. Um, you know, and I think that she. Um, I told. I mean, I gave her kind of. I mean, I think I told her that you know 
I think six to nine months was a good estimate. I think that that was the, what she was expecting. Um, but she seemed to me like, you know, she's hustling and she's doing the hard work to, to get it. And I, after I talked with her about it, I, I kind of got off the phone and I, um, I just, it, it gave me a, a good appreciation for, for how hard um, it is to, to raise, especially a first round. And I think when we were, when we were doing that with Greenfire, you know, kind of older, more experienced people would, would tell you, you know, this is the hardest money that you'll ever raise. Um, and they would, they would say like, it always gets easier um, for, for, especially for a business as, as you, as you grow, it gets easier to raise bigger amounts and the smaller amounts uh, are definitely the hardest. And, um, you know, I could, I could, I could hear the, I could hear the, the, the stress, I think, in, in Amber's <laughs> voice and, and it should be there. And, and she was right in the place where she, she should be. Uh, and then I was thinking, man, I'm so glad that I don't have to relive that. <laughs> <laughs> well, great. And if I may, we spoke quickly about the vaccine and COVID before we started recording the episode. And to be honest here, by my understanding, when we were talking about payments with Greenfire, that's really to help with facilitating clinical trials, right? Or focus groups, something along those lines. Keep me honest. Yeah, clinical, clinical trials. So here we are with the vaccine and COVID and, and multiple, to my knowledge, multiple organizations are, are really looking to deploy uh, and or get the vaccine out there. With your experience, do you have any prophecies or statements uh, about uh, the vaccine, post-COVID world, the, how you see this playing out for the U.S. and globally as well, if you don't mind? Sure. So, I mean, I think that the, I think the, um, you know, the benefit that I can draw from my experience at Greenfire is that I got to understand how um, at least to a, a degree, how, how clinical research works um, and the long process that typically um, is, um, is traveled from, from, you know, kind of start to finish. Um, and so the, you know, the, I think most Americans may not appreciate, or maybe most people globally might not pr appreciate um, just how monumental it would be to go from um, kind of uh, virus discovery to vaccination in what I guess it would be a year or two years. I mean, that is, um, I, I can't, I don't know if I can think of a good uh, analogy. It'd be like, it almost seems like it would be like, um, you know, kind of, you know, conceiving and giving birth to a child in like a you know, three weeks or four weeks, um, a healthy one, you know, and it's like, right. if you, if you think of that, like that, that is kind of similar to what is being asked of the, um, clinical development space. Um, and I think that, you know, from, from what I understand, you know, it, it does, you know, I, and I hear, you know, bits and pieces, uh, from the industry just anecdotally. Um, and, and, you know, I guess I, I was talking to somebody the other night that had just talked to a, a Senator and, and kind of got similar, um, feedback, but it, it does sound like, um, and I, I have had a, like a, a very pessimistic view on um, reopening uh, kind of society, schools, uh, malls, things like that, uh, commerce, 
um, I, I've been very pessimistic in general, um, but I, but I, I kind of seem to have a more optimistic view that um, a vaccine will, um, will kind of, will get there um, to, to an approved uh, place, um, maybe around the, the end of this year, beginning of next year. Um, and then I think that there's probably another distribution problem that has to be solved in order to get that that out uh to you know to the the masses um but you know i'm not entirely sure which vaccine uh you know is kind of the leader but it's it seems like there's several that um are, are kind of in the running um and so and and who, i don't know if i don't know if it has to necessarily be one or, or if it can be multiple but um but I, I think I'm a little optimistic that we'll get to a vaccine, and and you know I don't know how long it takes to solve the distribution problem, but you know I, I think that I would imagine at least six to nine months. Um, and this is you know I'm not necessarily an expert in in any of this, just you know giving you my my read yeah. on it. So you know maybe optimistically, if all goes well, you know this time next year for regular people like you and me, and you know our kids, and you know your your fam friends and family, maybe we're back to you know, somewhat of a normal, but I think that, you know, I, I personally think that there's going to be, you know, there are some, the, some of the things that we've put in place as a society that, that we're calling, you know, kind of changes, I think they'll probably stick around. Um, it's hard for me to imagine, you know, masks are a strange thing for our culture, but, you know, they kind of make sense in a lot, in a lot of ways. And I think, you know, I think you've seen other cultures around the world kind of utilizing masks for, for a longer period. You know, I think that, work from home is probably going to be much more well-established and accepted uh, practice. Um, and I think that that's going to have, you know, that's going to have impact on, you know, commercial real estate and, and even local, um, local real estate as people, you know, are able to move out of large metropolitan areas and maybe live in places that they otherwise would, would like to live in, you know, whether that's, you know, coastal, you know, kind of vacation spots or, or mountain towns or whatever. Um, so I think that there will be like a reverberation of, of this period, you know, kind of through the, you know, through our, our lives, which I, you know, I think will be really interesting. Hopefully won't be negative. Um, I, I imagine it'll be a net positive for us. Cool. Well, thanks, Sam. Any closing statements before we wrap up? No, I'm flattered that you, you asked me to, to chat with you and I'm, I'm uh, happy to do it and, you know, I'll, uh, invite you to reach out to me if you ever want to, you know, chat again. Thank you. Pleasure is all here, man. Thank you so much. It's been a great episode. Yeah, all right, everyone. Sam Whitaker with Groovy Car, right? That's right. right. Thanks, Sam. Groovy Car. There we go. Till next time, folks. This has been your host, Steve Markey, for Buzz and Biz, the Success Podcast. Gracias.